Do you want me to replace you? No, no. Do you want me to Welcome to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... Uh, I am the Pope in question... questioned. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Mad Woods, which is an actual thing, or it's a Google. It's episode 409 of the podcast, and how proud we are of all of that. I am not entirely here. Last night, my wife and I did our weekly crunk session, where we get, where we get like, super crunked. We started by drinking a Chinese beer called Lucky Buddha. It was... And then after that, I had a mimosa and you were drinking wine. And then after that, we were drinking like rum smoothies? No, we tried the strawberry mimosa. Oh yes, we made mojitos, but they didn't come out the best. No, the, yeah, they didn't. They didn't, and also um, apparently Steve has never had I'm okay. I'm, I've never had a mozo. So Steve was utterly unprepared. Unprepared. For the minute chamber. <laughs> so we added, so then we made more, we added a bunch of strawberries. I think what really tipped us over. So what we did, what I did is I put less of the simple syrup, yeah. more alcohol, added blueberries and strawberries. More alcohol. Well, yeah. Yeah. To compensate yeah. what I had in the simple syrup. Yeah. So, but I think what was when we got the THC, the THC ice cream and made milkshakes with them. Oh, nice. And we had that somewhere in between alcohols. That was between the strawberry mojito and then the the, the mojito revisited. So it's like 3 a.m. and we're on Twitch, just <laughs> in a completely different dimension. So that was exciting. At one point we had like 80 viewers, which yeah, was somebody, insane. Somebody rated our Twitch. So, nice. So that was fun. Uh, so thankfully I am prepared because I have a short episode. I, I have two things in Act One. I've got a somewhat short chat that I'm really proud of. And I don't have a lot for this movie, for this week's movie, Slenderman. Slenderman, I believe is how it's pronounced. It's about an insurance uh, agent named Bill Slenderman. It's actually Slenderman. Yeah. Because this movie barely exists. This is hardly a film. It's really, it, it, it's weird. But, okay. Um, so I'm a little bit hungover, but we're, we, we can do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. I, I, we're going to do this. Yes, I got this. I got this. I got this. Can you get me my pills? Uh, so, okay, let's get to it. Buddy! Yes! Um, this is week seven of our summer-long deep dive into the IMDb Bottom 100. And every week this summer, we are doing a deep dive into one of the 100 worst movies ever made, according to the Internet Movie Database. But here in Act One, 
I'd like to spend a bit of time discussing one of the 100 movies that we will not be doing this summer. Uh, we can do all 100 in one summer. So this week, I will be discussing why I absolutely refused to watch the 1987 film Jaws the Revenge. Okay. Okay, so Jaws 3 in 3D uh, is one of my favorites because you get to because it's all set in they filmed it in SeaWorld and you get to see a lot of 80s SeaWorld and I yeah. really like that. Uh, I remember seeing Jaws 3 in 3D in theaters and liking it and it was a it was a huge fi- it was a financial success. It wasn't a critical success, but it was a financial success. It cost eighteen million dollars to make, and it made you know almost a hundred million dollars. So it was a, a huge huge hit. So after Jaws three and three D, Universal Studios made a Jaws ride at their theme park. And so this, the CEO or whatever of Universal is all like, hey, uh, do a fourth Jaws film. The last one made us money, and we need to advertise this new Jaws ride, so just throw together a Jaws film and do it quick. So Jaws the Revenge was written, filmed, edited, and released in less than nine months. Oh. This is the most hastily uh, thrown together film in the world. The paint probably wasn't even dry on the sets when they wrapped. It's 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 such a hastily thrown together piece of shit with a dumbass plot and uh, like the wife of the guy from the first film, the hero, goes to the Bahamas, but the shark follows. Oh. Because this shark is even in like, uh, oh, this is this is warm waters, and we don't have sharks in warm waters. So, there's, so sharks won't come here. That's probably why the wife has moved to this area. But what? A shark is here? Yes, because this shark is out for revenge against the people who killed the shark in the first Jaws movie or whatever. It's ridiculous. It's like, it's like Jaws, the first film, and then Jaws 2 is, shit, let's just make a second one. Jaws 3 is fun, and Jaws 4 is their attempt to turn Jaws into uh, a Jason-type slasher franchise yes you know and it's just it's a horrible film and I've seen it before and I just absolutely hate it it's 100% thrown together and there's two endings and that story pisses me off so in the end of the original in the ending that was released in American theaters they put a bomb in the shark but the bomb doesn't go off and the black guy, Mario Van Peebles, is eaten by the shark. And so then the woman stabs the shark 
with the 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 whatever the penis of the boat and the shark is freaking out and flopping all over the place and in doing so destroys the boat and everyone goes down with the ship end of movie and audiences hated that so the the universal did filmed a completely different ending for when it was released in foreign markets uh, and in that one, oh, everyone's everyone's in the water and everyone's fine. And look, uh, uh, the shark is, is is better now. In this one, the shark doesn't destroy the boat. The shark explodes. And everyone's in the water and everyone's fine. Even Mario Van Peebles, who we just saw eaten. And my favorite part about this ending is that it's obviously filmed in that big fake tank that's meant to be an ocean at Universal yes. Studios. The same one that uh, from, like, uh, so many films. Uh, the Truman Show. Yeah. You know, is running into the wall. It looks super fake. And, and it's hilarious. So then, when they decided to release Jaws the Revenge on a... for, like, home video... They put the international ending on it. So as an American cinema goer, you went to see Jaws the Revenge in theaters and saw one ending, but when you rented it, it was a completely different ending you've never seen before. <laughs> I I like the the ending where when the shark was finally about to destroy the Brody family. Uh, put in a quick emergency call to the to his therapist and realized that he was just acting out due to earlier childhood trauma. Much yeah. better ending for a Jaws movie. Yeah, that's the ending where they just all hug it out. Yeah. Yeah. They just give that shark a big old hug. The the. Biggest disappointment in Ch in Jaws Revenge. It, just Michael Caine. Yeah. Just my Michael. You can say no, okay? Just because they have to hand you, they hand you a script. You don't have to be in that movie. You you can just say no sometimes. If people if people ask Michael Caine, why didn't you make that movie? He says, hey, don't blame me. Blame it on Rio. Yeah. That's a Michael Caine joke. That's why we have so many followers of this podcast. So anyway, that's why I refuse to do Jaws the Revenge. That movie is shit. Yes. Um, and I just absolutely... If you want a copy of the film, hey, it's it's in the bin. It's in the nobody wants these bin at Walmart for five dollars. I saw it the other day. Yeah, and I was like, shit, there's Shots the Revenge. I'm just about to talk about that. I wouldn't even pay five dollars for that fucking film. But I absolutely hate Jaws the Revenge. The fact that Universal Studios would do that to the ending shows just how little they cared about the film in the first place. You know. Yes. So, fuck Jaws the Revenge. I refuse to do that. Uh, and I'm glad that it didn't win the poll. Um, 
So, so, so that's why I refuse to do Jaws the Revenge. I, I like this part of the, in the beginning of the show where we just talk about one of the films we won't be doing in the IMDb bottom 100. So, Jaws the Revenge, we won't be doing it. Ever. And, and speaking of the poll, is there a poll this week? No, there is not. Because the closer that we get to the end of the summer, the more there are some films we have to do. And I'll just come out and say it. Next week, we're doing Battlefield Earth. Okay. It's going to suck, but we got to do Battlefield Earth. We have to. We have to do Battlefield Earth. We have to do Battlefield Earth. But I've seen Battlefield Earth before. It's not as bad as the shit we've been watching. Yeah? Yeah. I watched it. I watched it. Don't once. get me wrong. Not a good movie, you know, but it's not Slender Man. This movie, this week's movie, sucks so bad. I I appreciate that they gave Stevie Wonder a chance to try cinematography. But it did go about as expected. Wow, I've never seen I've never seen a horror movie where four teens summon something evil and that something starts hunting them down. What a unique premise. Yeah. Never before done in the history of cinema. Yeah. It's like it's like they it's like the the, the screenwriters just uh Hey, I just bought this new screenwriting software. Oh, look, it comes with examples. Let's just type in horror. Oh, here's an entire script. Let's just do this. I like to think that this week's movie, Slenderman, Slenderman, um, takes place in the Charlie Brown universe because I think I only saw one or two parents in the entire movie. Yeah. Like, all of these kids are disappearing. What about the parents? Oh my yeah. god. You know? You are right. It's ridiculous. You're right. Anyway, let's let's save that for Act 3. Let's let's end this Cause, cut Because God knows there's little enough to talk about. Yeah. There's little enough to talk about anyway. So cut on that. Bunny! Yes! From December 2018 to March 2020, I watched three movies a week, every week, except for one week where I watched two. But still, I managed to watch uh, 178 movies in a 66-week period. And then the pandemic royally screwed me over, but now I'm back to watching two movies a week because Baby Steps. Because it's time, once again, for the triumphant return of Steve Stubbs of the Week! Dun, 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 dun! And so this week is my fourth week back to going to the movies regularly. I saw two more movies for a combined total of five, six, seven, eight movies that I have seen since I returned to theaters. But now I'm starting to think how long will how long will America continue to pretend that everything is back to normal when it absolutely isn't? You know? Yeah. Starting to get worrisome that things aren't getting better. But, it, hey, um, 
Yeah. So uh, this week I saw the following. I'm really hungover, by the way, if you're just joining us. This week I saw the following two movies in theaters. The Forever Purge and Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Okay. Trying to watch things with my AMC A-list membership that I would never pay money to go see. And that was in my mind when I watched these two movies this week. So every week I pick one of the movies to be my movie pick of the week that I want to discuss a little bit more. But first, let's discuss the movie that was not chosen as my movie pick of the week, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. This is a CNN documentary about Anthony Bourdain and... I was, I, I went to the last showing. I was the only person in the theater. I was interested to see it because uh, I knew literally nothing about Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. At all, period, whatsoever. So I was, I was interested. I was like, oh, this will be interesting because it, the way that I always saw it was. Um, celeb being into a celebrity chef is no offense, a white person thing. Yeah, is the way I always saw it, and so I never cared about Anthony Bourdain um, just, unless you're not native to the country. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, because then you start getting into, into some decent halfway decent diversity. Yeah. So, so I so I went into the documentary one hundred percent blind, and uh, real incredible documentary. I didn't realize that Anthony Bourdain was basically the Hunter S. Thompson of cooks. That when he was growing up, when he was a teen in his twenties and whatever, he he was a heroin addict and doing a ton of drugs. Oh yeah. And, he, he got a job as like a busboy and uh, washing dishes to pay for his drug habit, but he, he made his way to like a server and then to a uh, uh, chef and he, he in between uh, jobs, he, he decided to write a tell-all book about um, what it's like working, you know, f- food service industry and that was his uh, big famous book uh, Kitchen Confidential and suddenly he was super famous and and so he started doing a travel series and next thing you know he was a journalist and and I I had no idea that, that Anthony Bourdain felt the same way about famous chefs as I do about famous chefs so, so that was cool. I had no idea he was such a badass. Oh, so, I, I, I no, yeah, I was a fan of Anthony Bourdain. Me too. I, I loved yeah. his shows, and and he said a lot of the shit on on his shows. You know about being a heroin addict and all of that. You know, I mean, he he did an episode uh, from Morocco and got all naked lunch. 
Yeah, I, I I downloaded the the first two seasons of his first show at Cook's Tour once I got home, and so I, I've got all of those episodes on my computer to start watching. Uh, the guy's absolutely amazing. The documentary was incredible. Uh, I I knew so little about Anthony Bourdain that I was quite surprised to learn that he fucking hung himself. Oh, did he hang himself? I, I just yeah. knew he committed suicide. He hung himself Which in... was not a surprise, either. Were you terribly surprised? Yes. You were? Yes. I, I wasn't terribly surprised, because you, you could tell the man was depressed. Yeah, that's the thing about the documentary, is that everyone says, I can't believe that he did this, I can't believe that he, that he would do this, I can't believe that he was suffering that much that he would do this to himself, but like when you see the documentary, it's like, oh yeah, you, you, you know, yeah, no, he, he, he was a dark, haunted man, and yeah, no, you can absolutely see why he did what he did. But, yeah. uh, incredible documentary, incredible and really, documentary. And really, think about it, you know? Think about it that that you are going so far as to try to outrun your depression. You know, you yeah. are eating preserved duck eggs in Vietnam, and it's still not it's still not helping. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's like yeah. okay, great. I have done all this shit, and I still feel like crap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I I don't recall being surprised. Maybe I was surprised at the time and then I thought about it. I don't know. That's possible, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I went out of that documentary with a newfound um, respect and admiration for Anthony Bourdain. The guy was a badass. Yes. And... The documentary was just absolutely incredible. So, uh, I, I, I would have, I really would have liked to have seen a, a movie or a documentary or something, but a sit down between Anthony Bourdain and Ron Perlman. They're both bad. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are very similar people. You yeah, know? I can see. And they yeah. both just say whatever the fuck they want, and, and neither one of them cared. Yeah. But I, yeah, ab absolutely incredible documentary. Can't recommend it enough. I don't think it's streaming right now. Uh, I don't think it's available as like a digitally yet. But in incredible documentary. Everyone should go see it. Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. And finally, the Steve Stubbs pick of the week is The Forever Purge. The Forever okay. Purge. Okay. Um, first off, this movie fucked me up. Really? Okay. This movie really fucked me up. So, I saw the first Purge film that had Ethan Hawke in it, and it was okay. And then we did the second Purge movie for the podcast. Was that the second one? I'm not sure. Or I did it we do more than one? I don't know. I don't know. But but then there was there was like a prequel Purge movie that I didn't see. 
And then there was a Purge TV series that I didn't see. I, I, I haven't seen all of the Purge movies, so, but the way that I figured it was, oh, the Purge films are all dumb and stupid. Oh, fucking whatever. I'll go see the dumb, stupid Purge movie. Um, so, the way that this plot is, is that, okay, so a new government comes in, and they have stopped the purge, and the purge doesn't happen anymore, but then, hey, it's the election season, and guess what? The, the pro-purge party, whatever, is elected back in, and so we're restarting the purge again. And there's a bunch of tension in the country, and a lot of people think it's due to immigration, and it's due to uh, all of these foreigners uh, coming in here and stealing our jobs and right-wing extremists and yada, yada, yada. So the purge happens, and then the purge is done, but all of these far-right motherfuckers decide that, you know what, we're just not going to stop purging. We're going to round up all of the uh, immigrants, all of the foreigners, all of the non-white people, and start fucking killing them. Yeah. And it's all of these far-right... That's this one? Yeah, that's what this movie is. And that's why it's called The Forever Purge, because because people just don't... Angry white people and far-right extremists and white power motherfuckers and Nazis are marching on the streets and rounding up all of the black people and Mexicans and just killing them. Whoa, okay. And, and they call it the forever purge because it's not going to stop until we finally cleanse this America. America is a country for whites and we need to get rid of... And, and so I, I went to go see this movie and I was a little bit stoned and there's like 12 people in the audience and about halfway through the movie I noticed... Number one, that I'm the only brown person in the theater. Yeah. And number two, that two of the women in the theater, I catch uh, looking at me, like giving me glances. Okay. While the movie is going on. And it hit me that, like, thank goodness I waited a couple of weeks to go see this Purge movie because if I had seen it on day one when it came out, then I would have seen it with a packed theater and being in Oklahoma, being being in Oklahoma, there's a good chance... It's like the Joker movie. It's like the goddamn Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. There's a good chance if I had seen this on opening day that some of the people in the audience would be rooting for the murderers. Yes. You know? And and it really started to freak me the fuck out. And the entire movie triggered me. I wonder why. (laughs) Because you know, I, I'm in an I'm in an all white movie theater, 
in a primarily all-white city in a primarily all-white state and I'm here watching this film and it's like fucking Mexicans goddamn beaners we need to fucking kill every one of them every one of these motherfuckers and make America the white nation that it always has been and it's like fuck I just wanted to see a stupid fucking purge movie why are you fucking me like this so, like, but, like, like, who was this movie made for? It was supposed to be, like, a, you know, this is a Purge film. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a p- producer. The Purge franchise has always been about showing... Uh, casting a mirror onto society and so this film I think has a lot to say about our current political climate and I think it has a lot of important messages and so uh, so the government officials try to stop the people from purging so now there are like tanks running through major cities trying to stop the all-white purgers from killing people and so it's this massive battle and all these people are dying and it gets so bad that canada and mexico open their borders to bring in american refugees which near the end of the film someone refers to as american dreamers <laughs> okay. Who have fled war-torn America. And so, like, I see why they did it, but I just wanted to see a fucking Purge movie and yeah. not feel like... It, it, the thing is, is that I, I feel that this Purge film is actually genuinely frightening to me because I'm a minority and I can 100% see this happen. I feel yeah. like... For a lot of white people, this is just another Purge movie. But for me, and for other Latinos, and Muslim, and uh, Pakistani, and uh, Asian, and uh, black people who go to see this film, it's scarier to them because we can absolutely see this happening. Yeah. So, it's like when I went to go see... uh, the first Kingsman movie, and there's a scene where uh, you see Obama's head explode, and I saw the movie in in Oklahoma, and uh, a couple of people applauded when that happened. Okay. And that scared the shit out of me. So it's like, so when I'm watching this Purge movie, I'm like worried that people are going to start like applauding and thinking it's hilarious and then turning their attention to me. And, and, and yeah, no, it was a scary, it was a scary fucking movie and I was absolutely triggered and I came home and I got, I started drinking and, and, and got really, really high because I was just, oh, the movie fucked me up, Bonnie. Yeah. Forever Purge fucked me up. When was it? When did you see it? <clears throat> this week. This week. Uh, yeah. I think uh, last... This past Monday is when I saw it. 
done fucked me up that movie. It was, I, I, I haven't I haven't kept up with the Purge movies. You know, neither did I. So, but but I figured like a, a stupid Purge movie is a stupid Purge movie. I can just go see the stupid Purge movie and everything yeah. will be fine. I didn't realize that it was gonna make me feel like I have a target on my forehead. Yeah. So that wasn't fun. That was not a fun time. So, but but hey, um, I. I think that at the end of the year, when I'm making my top 10 list, I think I might make it number 10 on my list of the 10 best movies of the year, because as much as I will probably never see it again, it did elicit a massive emotional response from me. Yes. Yes. Which not a lot of films do. So at least there's that. But yeah, no, that movie that movie done fucked me up. Plus, uh, one of the one of the actors in it was the dad in one of the religious films that I saw when I when I was previously going to the movies all the time. He was the dad from that movie where the kid goes through the ice. Uh, Unbreakable or something like that. Really generic movie title but anyway that's the that's oh um, but yeah no yeah i I, yeah i I remember the movie i remember you talking about the movie yeah so next week i already have my tickets for next week next week i will be watching the m night shamalama ding dong movie old the previews make it look really fucking wonderful and I, I'm really I never thought I'd say this but I'm really excited to go see this M. Night Shama Lama 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 the Lama Lama Red Pajama movie yeah and also uh, Snake Eyes uh, G.I. Joe Origins film that uh, so far the reviews are unanimous hey guess what this G.I. Joe movie isn't shit. That was the same glowing reviews they gave to the Catwoman movie. Hey, this isn't 100% fucking horrible. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, it's bad, but it's not as bad as we had figured. So, so the Snake Eyes movie, I'm also excited to go see that. Uh, So join us next week for some more up-to-date, up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week. And cut on that. Money! Yes! Uh... I'm really hungry. Uh... Plus, I, I, I took a... I took a... Uh, I took a... weed bath. I, I take a weed bath, usually right before the podcast. And I felt that it would help me get over the hangover, but now I'm just hungover and a little bit stoned, so it's not the best combination. Yeah. I'm not entirely here, but okay. Uh, we still have a, a, a full podcast to get to. We've got Bunny Versus. Uh, I've got a Shap, which I'm turning into a movie. You can see the, I can see the entire movie. I'm going to walk you through the entire movie. Uh, it's a great film. And then, unfortunately, we need to talk about 
this week's movie, Slenderman. I don't have a lot about this movie, but there's not a lot to this movie, so I think we're in the clear. I, 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 I blame Slenderman for killing Jackie Mason. Yes, thank you. Jackie Mason died, and uh, America let out uh, a unified cry of, he was still alive? <laughs> God damn. Jackie Mason's dead. Oh, okay. Shit. I, I, found, I found it kind of kind of sad, because that was really... That was just it. The door is shut on a whole era of entertainment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was it. That Jackie Mason was the last one, and, like, that will never be again. Alan Sherman's dead, right? The Hello Mother, Hello Father guy? He's not alive, right? Um... I mean, he's got to be dead. I would, I would, yeah, I would doubt it. Yeah. Okay, um, but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. Andre the Giant, we hardly knew ye. What's up, y'all? Bill McNeil saying there's a party all up in here and you need to get with the flow. Oh, yeah, Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor's got the heavyweight power, but you got the E-Arch to rip it up to some fat booty beats. Or just chill with the honeys. So get on the rocket and see the stars. Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor. Damn! <laughs> 
the erotic adventures of Hercules. Close it up, close it up, close it up. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Now this is something the other tour guides will tell you. Seasons came and changed the time. The murder of Phil Hartman. Dig your own grave and save. Have you ever heard the expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, and then toss it in the face of the person who gave you the lemons until they give you the oranges you asked for in the first place? In this particular cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we call in the prison system a bitch. And one night, in a jealous rage, Kelly took a makeshift knife or shiv and cut out the bitch's eyes. Did somebody say sassy? This way to the cafeteria. Champ Howard, today we mourn a stooge. Bryn pointed the gun at Phil and fired three shots. I should want to cook him a simple meal, but I shouldn't want to cut into him, to tear the flesh, to wear the flesh, to be born unto new worlds where his flesh becomes my key. And as if this wasn't enough retribution for Kelly, the next day he and four other inmates took turns pissing into the bitch's ocular cavity. Moments later, Bryn picked up a second gun and lay down next to the body of her husband. She held the weapon to her own head and pulled the trigger.
only ones left to mourn, the last witnesses to the execution, suspended in time by a puppeteer with blood on his hands, little broken dolls that go on dancing after the music has stopped. Three. Mm. Judge me by my size, do you? Mm. My penis you have not seen. Huge it is. Mm. Yes. Suck it, you will. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Honey. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? <coughs> Are you locked and loaded? Uh, sun's out, gun's out. Are you ready to take that hill? Are you ready to do it? Are you ready to 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 just kick it old school? All up in here. Are you ready, buddy? The edibles are kicking in right on time. I am goddamn ready. Okay. So without any further ado, it's time once again for our freeform segment, Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, buddy. 
So that's kind of fun for our home for our home viewers, you know. They can yeah. predict exactly when my high will start kicking in. Yeah, it's a fun game. Yeah. It's a fun it, yeah, it's, it, this is the Pope on Film home game. Yes it is. So how are you doing, sir? Uh, uh, right now I am hung over. I am torg over. Uh, back in the day, you know, when we were much younger people in our 20s, my wife and I would stay up and drink, and it would be, you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and we're sitting on the floor of the kitchen of our crappy apartment. Uh, drinking horrible beer and just being weirdos. But also, back then, we were self-medicating because we just absolutely hated ourselves and probably yeah. a little bit each other. Now that we're older, now we're older, now we are medicated and we're feeling better about life. We're feeling better about each other. I don't know. My wife and I, we're, we're doing Good. You know, we're, we're like BFFs, and we enjoy each other's time and enjoy each other's company, and we've been trying to carve out little moments where we just get to spend a bit of time together, and it's been a lot of fun. And one of the things that we've been doing is that now we're not looking to get super crazy drunk all the time, but once a week, usually Friday night or Saturday night, my wife and I get crunked. We, uh, she will dress up really nice, and yeah. then I will dress up really nice. Last night we were in matching little black dresses. Yeah. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we decided. We didn't decide. No, we didn't decide. It was all Natasha. Natasha was like, "How about we do a sangria taste test?" We bought this sangria from Aldi. We bought this sangria from Sam's Club, and then we made some homemade sangria. And so we we had a sangria taste test video, and and we did it. And it was my wife's idea to do this video, which which is crazy. It yeah. doesn't happen a lot. And it, as it turns out, the video I think came out really well, and and I really really liked it. And so we've been doing a couple of videos that I'm slowly but surely releasing on my adult channel and um, of like alcohol taste tests for the adult reverence well, didn't, you, didn't you do that one live on YouTube? The Sangria? Uh, no. No, that was not live on YouTube. Oh, that no. was not live. No, no, no. Okay. Last night was our first live anything. Like, yeah, last night was our first live anything when we went live uh on Twitch, we Twitch. So that was your first time on Twitch, and how many viewers did you wind up getting? At one point in time, we had like 50 viewers, 80 viewers on Twitch. Yeah, we got raided. We got raided, which means... This somebody who was at their live stream, our channel, for their viewers to be dumped into. And that's a raid, and I couldn't figure out how to do it on mobile because I was yeah, on my phone. It, it, so when we ended our 
viewers. We still had about 20 something viewers. Yeah. Um, I couldn't figure out how to do a raid in another channel. So I just ended it. Yeah, it was really surprising. In the beginning, we only had two viewers, and one of them was Bella. And then by the end of our live stream, you know, then we had. 80 viewers and then we ended with like 20 and we were talking to people and yeah that was a lot of fun okay so one of them so one of them was Bella yes one of them was the moderating thing yeah okay uh, did you know that, the, that there's parts of Florida that are in the central time zone yeah that's what we learned that's what we learned yeah. we learned that last night the panhandle the Florida panhandle stretches so far that it's it's in central I didn't know that. that. Yeah. So Florida's in, so Florida's Eastern two Central. time zones. Like Texas. Yeah. That's so interesting. I am Texas. fascinated by that. Texas really isn't. And, I, and I, I stand by my statement that most possum are Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so last night, my wife and I got uh, clunked and, uh, I remember most of it, I think. Yeah. It, it's just a lot of fun. My wife and I, it's, it, it's less about getting drunk and more just about uh, spending time together and enjoying each other's company and, and trying new things and just having a good time. This is the both of us enjoying each other's company. So, so, so that's fun. So I, I'm slowly but surely starting to feel better now <laughs> from last night slash this morning. But that was a blast. Uh, see, and it's a good release because, you know, on the weekends, you know, I'm exhausted from taking care of these kids and driving people places. And Natasha is exhausted from work. And now finally it's the weekend. We get some quality time together so we get crunked <laughs> so yeah. that's a blast we get lit we get blazed getting blazed in my winnie so so that's me how are you doing bunny i am i am good but i was interested that you were you were broadcasting on twitch and like maybe we should give it a shot i mean i had the account you know, I didn't want to do that because it's like, okay, well, then that's just starting from scratch again and on another platform where I have over... <laughs> I have close to almost 4,000 subscribers on my YouTube. Now, granted, they hate me, but... <laughs> yeah. But that's besides the point. They're there. <laughs> yeah. But, but... Getting up to 80, I mean, having 20 for a while, I mean, that's better than we're doing right now. So, yeah. maybe maybe I look into it and we try that next week. Okay. I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I've never... So, I'm, so I'm going to be on a, on a friend's podcast this Tuesday. Sully, he's part of the group. He he posts from time to time. The Jacked Up Review Show podcast. Nice. 
where he just he just kind of grabs a few friends and things like that. And he'll have a pre-planned topic. He likes schedules. He schedules. How weird is that? Like he scheduled through fall what the shows are going to be. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I will know at the end of this show what the next show will be. <laughs> oh, no, you know. It, it's, it's, it's Battlefield Earth. We already discussed Oh, yeah. True, true, true. True. But anyway, uh, I had been on once before, and we discussed Danny Trejo. Nice. Which was kind of fun. You know. Uh... But, like, he's got a whole schedule. And I'm looking through, like, like, so some people I feel more qualified to talk about than others, you know? And I, yeah. I was like, you know, I think I can hang in a conversation about Danny Trejo for about an hour. I think I could do that, you know? Uh, a, yeah. a few others. Others, not so much, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, I don't think I could do an hour on Pedro Amandovar, even though I'm, I do like his work. I don't think I'm familiar enough about it with it to hang in a conversation, you know? But, yeah. uh... Once I got the new Facebook account together, because, like, getting all the friends back has been kind of weird and shit like that, but, uh... I had gotten a friend request from him, thank God, and he said, you know, you really got to come back on the show, and I was like, can you shoot me the schedule again, because that was on the other account, so it's bye-bye. Yeah. And he sent me the latest schedule, and I looked through, and I was like, Larry motherfucking Cohen, you know what? Ah. I could do a goddamn, I could, I could, I could do it, I could, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot to talk Ooh, about yeah. with Larry Cohen. Yeah. And I had just happened to have been getting into a Larry Cohen groove to begin with. I was re-watching the It's Alive films already. You know? Yeah. And grabbing some of his other movies, so... That should be fun. That's going to be this Tuesday. I don't know if it goes out live. I think it's yeah. just recorded then. Not sure. But anyway, hmm. so that's part of what's going on. Uh, did a bit more work with Dabney. Saw that. And it's, you know, it's got its ups and downs. Yeah. I should have just... Ups and downs, strikes and gutters. What? Strikes and gutters. Yeah. Uh... Where the fuck are you? Right here. <laughs> I, I don't feel seen. Oh, I'm almost there. Okay. I'm almost there. Give me a break. Yeah, this is starting to get obnoxious. What's going on? There we go. There we go. Okay. 
So here's his latest iteration. I really got to change his body, man. That's going to be such a pain in the ass. Yeah. He really just needs to be shorter and more comical looking, you know? And those hands yeah. are just not working for me. Yeah. The room itself, I think, is looking really pretty good. It's starting to yeah. have a kind of a lived-in feel. Yeah. Uh, I am not happy with the lighting. Mm. So I'm going to have to work on that. Okay. I like the curtain. It's got a real Dan Flash's vibe. <laughs> Stop. You might as well just keep running here. Anyway. Uh, so, so, that's about it. So maybe I can start doing Dabney segments again. I mean, in all, it's looking pretty good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But there are a couple of things I, I want to fix. But anyway. So, uh, how are you? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all I got for for, for today. And, and maybe that's it's fine. Gonna be... You know, trying to go for a shorter show this week, you know? Just shorter all over. Yeah. But anyway, that's Tuesday. That should be fun. Other than that, yeah, I don't really have anything right now. That's that's that. That's Dabney. That's about it. That's yeah. life. That's what people say. You know. So, well, let's head on over to Shap. Well, what kind of excitement awaits us there? Uh, we're going to be making a movie in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a great Russian movie. Okay. Um, it, the, yeah. I, I'm, we, we're making a movie, and, and it's going to be filmed on location in Russia, and it's going to be great. That's okay. what we're doing this week on Shaft. All right. So until next week, this is Bunny Williams saying, self-adhesive tape? Yes, please that and cut on that and cut on that funny yes yeah if you're like me you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast the pop on film i mean who is it nowadays it's sweeping the country that and the coronavirus but only true only real fans true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning would know two things about us, two fundamentally really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest will they or won't they, the next Sam and Diane, it's Bonnie and Steve. First and foremost, the first fact, which is about you, Bonnie, is that before you and I started our podcast in 2014, you actually um, lived in a convent for 12 years. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Yes. Uh, well, it, it, it was a it was a rough childhood. So, um, getting close to graduation, it was a big choice was of whether I go on to college or not. Uh, I, no way was family paying for college, so. 
the only other two choices was a life of prostitution or becoming a nun. So I chose to become a nun instead. See, St. Margaret O'Hallahan, the perpetual whining. That that is that is our order. Yeah, famous one. So so we have we have uh, some sick and I really this sacred I really shouldn't but fuck them they they dicked me over in a pyramid scheme, but yeah, <coughs> but you know we we had some of our most sacred prayers uh, for. Margaret O'Hallahan's um, Saints of the Perpetual Whiny, something like Jesus, would you please make it stop? You know, that was a big one. That was a big one. And beautiful when you hear you know, just hundreds of voices saying that in, in harmony like you could really feel like you're reaching God's ear uh, fun fact do you know where pyramid schemes originated? Egypt of course Egypt yeah, yeah. Egypt the first place where someone did a pyramid scheme someone was looking at the pyramids and it's like I've got a scheme that's, <laughs> and that's how it came to be and the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to uh, find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and sort of rework it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Dun, 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 dun. I didn't do it that loud because I'm hungover. Or shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name shap. It's short and it's full of life. It's the Paul Williams of podcast segments. <laughs> oh, God bless that short, short man. Who, who, who do you think would win in a fight in in their prime? Paul Williams or Danny DeVito? Uh, I, think, I think Paul Williams... First off, first off uh, you can so easily overlay the image of an in-his-prime Paul Williams with Chuck Norris from that Bruce Lee movie. I forget which Bruce Lee movie it was. It was the one where he fought Chuck Norris. Game of Death, I think? I don't know. So don't so know. that's... That's it. That's it for, for Paul Williams there. You know, so that's the moves he's going to make. He's, but, but Danny DeVito, you know, he's got the fucking street smarts, you know? Street smarts! You know, <laughs> Paul Williams... Is not going to suddenly take off his belt and start beating you with it. That's not a Paul but, Williams move, but that is totally a Danny DeVito move. He will start but, hitting you with his shoe. But here's the thing Paul Williams in his prime, he's got that Coke energy. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, that's true. Because he just did a shit ton of coke, and he's about to lift up an entire car. <laughs> that's how much cocaine he's done. So I wouldn't rule Paul Williams out of this yeah. scenario. Anywho, today on the how, how is there is there okay okay is there a way is there out there somewhere where there's a generator where we could put in raw stats for both Danny DeVito and there's generators on the internet of all kinds Danny DeVito yeah. and Paul Williams and it would calculate the winner round by round. I always wanted to make a Street Fighter Mortal Kombat type fighting game, but use historical figures. And it's like, who are you going to be? Oh, man, I was going to pick Jesus. Fine, I guess I'll be... um, I guess I'll be Wilbur Ross. (laughs) You know, just get a bunch of random people fighting game and it's just like oh Teddy Roosevelt versus Betty White this is going to be a good matchup yes so we could easily put that in and have uh, Danny DeVito and Paul Williams be unlockable characters cool so so yeah we're moving forward with this idea anywho today on the old Shappity Shap Shap we will be making a movie and discussing the true story of a Russian widow and her fighting girlfriend. This is a totally unbelievable, yet really real story. It's a real good one, and I'm very excited. It's also a kind of familiar story. What it reminds me of, it reminds me of the shaft that we did about a year ago about the dread pirate Gene DeClisson. Do you remember that shaft? Yes. That was a good one. That was a shap about a French noblewoman who, once her husband was executed by the king, became a bloodthirsty pirate. It's a whole theory of a woman scorned sort of a deal. And so, yeah, this is uh, in many ways that same. Why do all of these cats try and turn off the things that I'm doing? Stop it, cats. So this week is another Fury of a Woman Scorned story. This chap is about a Russian woman named Mariah Oktyab Mariah Oktyabrskaya. Sure was. Which is really hard for me to say. So from here on out, I'm just going to call her Mariah. Sure. She was one of ten uh, children. Uh, she was born in 1905 in Crimea, which was a part of the Russian Empire. Poor Ukrainian woman. In 1925, she marries a Russian man named Ilya, and it's all good. Their marriage is good. They're both happy. Ilya is an officer in the Russian army, and so Mariah takes a bit of an interest. She's all like, hey, can I help at all? Is there anything that wives can do to help out their soldier husbands? So there's a Russian military wives council and she joins in. She gets trained as a nurse in the army. She also gets a bit of weapons training. 
and learns how to drive a few military vehicles. But our girl Mariah isn't super into it. Mariah is all like, oh, fiddle dee dee. I won't ever need to know all of this because I'm not a soldier. I'm just here to support my amazing husband who I love and will be with forever. Okay, so some years pass and uh, the the team behind World War One, the first one, were so happy with the way that it turned out that they finally go forward with a sequel. This one's called World War Two Electric Boogaloo. Yes. So World War the Second breaks out and Ilya goes to war. And as the Nazis approach, Mariah is evacuated to Siberia, which I hear is cold. Yes. So that's exciting. Or used to be. Or used to be, yeah. So she's in Siberia, and she's waiting to hear from her husband any news about her husband, and she waits in Siberia for two years. And then in 1943, she learns, because news travels real slow, that her husband died in a fight with Nazis in 1941, the news took two years to reach her in Siberia. Well, it is safe to say that our girl Mariah fucking snaps. Okay. At this point, she snaps. Now, the story of Mariah Akhtiabraskaya is usually summed up in a sentence or two. Every once in a while, you might come across a Mariah Akhtiabraskaya meme, and it'll be... And what it sounds like is, husband dies, wife buys tank. And that's a real oversimplification of things. So this is what happens. Mariah sells all of her possessions and writes Stalin personally. Okay. Gets a pen and a paper. Dear Stalin, how have you been? Did you have a nice summer? How is your wife? Look, my husband was killed defending the motherland, and I want revenge on the fascist duck for his death. I have deposited all of my personal savings, because remember, she sold everything this year. I have deposited all of my personal savings, 50,000 rubies, to the National Bank for the sole purpose of paying for a tank to be built. I kindly ask for two things. Number one, for the tank to be named the Fighting Girlfriend. A lot of people in the house have a hard time with this because the tank should be named the fighting wife or the fighting spouse or the fighting widow, not the fighting girlfriend. But that's just the name that Mariah picked. Maybe it just sounds better in Russian. I don't know. But uh, I kindly ask for two things. Number one, for the tank to be named the fighting girlfriend. And number two, for me, Mariah, to be the driver of said tank. Now, uh... Two things about that letter. Number one, I found the actual letter that she wrote Stalin, and you'd be surprised 
uh, how much of what I said was actually in the letter. Yeah. And if this were the U.S., secondly, if this were the United States, uh, some uh, bureaucrat in the army would be like, <laughs> now see here, little missy. We can't just let anyone drive a tank, let alone a delicate female flower like yourself. So go bake something for your man. Uh, or maybe go play some baseball. Women are allowed to do that now, but no crying. Yeah. There's no crying in baseball. But this is not... Cat... This is not the United States. This is Russia in the 1940s during a war. And so basically, Stalin writes back to Mariah, fuck yes. And just like that, our girl Mariah buys a tank and starts fighting Nazis. This is the movie. I'm imagining a Quentin Tarantino movie starring Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit and the Russian mutant from The New Mutants. I'm imagining her as Mariah in my head. Yeah. Definitely pull off Russian. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, World War II. Russia, usually tank drivers get the most minimal training and are immediately rushed to the front lines because Russia's just like... Uh, sending people to war and having them killed just lickety split. So usually tank drivers get the absolute basic training and a rush to the front lines, but they give Mariah an intense five months training program, including not just how to operate it, but how to fix it, how to repair it, what the parts are, what the parts do, how to fix this part, what if this part breaks. She's, she becomes a tank professional here, but her fellow tank drivers are all laughing at her. This is just a publicity stunt. You're not a real tank driver. You should just give up now, little girl. Ha ha ha. You can imagine the entire scene in this yeah. movie. You can imagine the scene of her taking her intense uh, uh, five-month training session on the tanks and all of the other tank drivers looking down at her and laughing at her in the locker room or whatever the fuck. You can see the whole thing. Yeah. You can see the scene. You can see the montage. Then they start throwing tampons at her. Yeah. Yeah, you can horrible. see the montage of her, like, under the tank, you know, fixing it with a wrench and, I don't know, using a jack and, and um... I don't know, welding. You're the best. And her. Around. Nothing's ever gonna keep you down. Yeah. You're the best. Around. Yeah. I, I was thinking more of a. I'd like to get to know you well from a Better Off Dead when they're fixing the old car. Yeah. Is what I was thinking. But you can see, like, finally at the end, you know, she wipes her brow and she gets you know oil on her forehead as she finally paints the word fighting girlfriend on okay wait 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 okay wait okay there's the tank she leans up she wipes the sweat off of the brow 
Yeah. We now have them in silhouette on a cliff <sighs> in front of a beautiful sunset. Yeah. Her, tank. her and her tank <clears throat> in silhouette. Go ahead. Or, or we rocky, we rocky three it, and her and the tank are having a race on the beach. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's another way we can go with this. Uh, and and oh, hey, your your five month intense training session on the tank is done, and tomorrow you're going to the front lines and. You, you can see the scene of like it's the night before the big battle she's all nervous she goes to see the tank you know puts her hand on it maybe says some speech to herself about how this is all from my husband who I love so much all the other yeah. tank drivers still laughing at her cut to it's a big battle sequence Smolensk in 1943 an intense battle explosions people are dying left and right and Mariah is right there in the middle of it with her tank to fighting girlfriend she's not scared she's not wavering she's leading the battle she's kicking ass and then boom her tank is hit it is dead it's not working anymore her captain comes on the radio and is like okay Mariah you're out of commission just stay in your tank and wait this battle out but what does she do she jumps out of the tank during a battle, heavy fire all around her, and while the battle is continuing, she fixes the goddamn tank. <laughs> yeah. In it, keeps fighting, takes out the machine gun nests, and helps Russia win the battle against the freaking Nazis. Afterwards, like a classic movie, the captain goes, Mariah, you disobeyed a direct order during the battle. I should have you court-martialed. But you acted bravely and helped us achieve victory. You're being promoted to sergeant. Okay. Mariah spends four months in battle in the front lines, leading the charge in her tank to fighting girlfriend, killing Nazis, proving herself to be a brave hero, taking part in a number of battles, and oftentimes she would do her, her bit, and she's driving around and she's leading the charge and the tank gets knocked out and Mariah's like, I'll be back. She jumps out of the tank during a battle. She she does that a couple of times. And in Russia, the story of the fighting girlfriend becomes this legend that everyone, you know, loves. Then on January 17th, 1944, during the Leningrad-Novgorod offense, our girl Mariah does the jump out and fix the tank bit for the last time. She is hit in the head with a shell fragment and stays in a coma for two months before dying on March 15, 1944. She was buried with full military honors and was posthumously made an official hero of the Soviet Union, which was the highest distinction that someone could get in the Russian army 
Before she died, she wrote a letter to one of her sisters, and here is a quote from the letter, quote, I have had my baptism by fire. I have beaten the bastards. Sometimes I'm so angry, I can't even breathe. And if Disney or Pixar had any balls, this would be an amazing movie. I yes. can see an animated film. This is, this is, this is, this is, oh, this would be a rugged Disney princess movie. Yeah. A Disney princess that loves two things. Number one, singing, and number two, killing Nazis. Yeah. yeah. And I say if Disney and or Pixar had balls, they would make this into a, a Disney princess film. Uh, someone has. I'd like to uh, give you a, a website address, rejectedprincesses.com. It is run by a former DreamWorks animator named Jason Perath. Once a week, he will tell the story of a, a real-life woman who was brave and fought against the odds and has an amazing life story that Disney should make into a Disney princess, but they won't because they don't have the balls. And so once a week, he picks a different story. And I was looking up the story of Mariah Octia Briskaya, and sure enough, he has a great... Uh, I was thinking of buying a sticker or maybe a poster... For, for Mariah's rejected princess and it's her in like full mil military gear and then the tank is alive in the drawing that he does for Mariah yeah but I, this is a fascinating story of a woman whose husband was killed so she bought a tank and fought Nazis with it like good for you Mariah this is an amazing story you know and uh, I know I've said this uh, possibly a few times before on the podcast, but I'm surprised that more people don't know about this story. No. Mariah Octabraskaya. Be sure and check out rejectedprincesses.com. It's really adorable. The drawing that they have of Mariah is really cute. See, once you, once you, once you said it about being a Disney princess, then that forced the whole story that you had told up until that point to repeat in my head except for animated. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like, I am really, really seeing a jaunty cap of some sort involved here. Yeah. <laughs> jaunty cap. You know? Maybe she wears, like, one of those Biggles caps in her nice. tank or something, you know? Uh, yeah. And the tank is alive and says, Kachow! Uh, the tank being alive really kind of creeps me out there. I mean, you know, give yeah. her a puppy. Come on. No, the tank, like, <laughs> just like in cars, the cars were alive. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and then like in Transformers, but, where the come on, let's go kill a lot of people. That's yeah. not a cute, <laughs> indeed. But she's killing Disney. Nazis. <laughs> but they're Nazis. They're not people. They're Nazis. They're Nazis. They, so it's okay. So then I then I recommend if we're gonna go that path, then I recommend that the tank have have. 
accents or attributes that you kind of can see Dumbo-esque. Okay? With that, with the long turret that fires death shells, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, 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 oh. You know what? Hmm. He's ramping Give up now. Give the tank a cold. So or the tank has allergies. Maybe that's when it gets like yeah, out yeah. of commission and she has yeah. to fix it. Well, yeah. but but it, it yeah. keeps sneezing and it keeps sneezing and people keep dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all right with that. That's a good addition. So yeah, that's that's uh, Steve's historic approximations this week. Be sure to join us next week for more educational and educational thought. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes. Uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about this week's movie. <laughs> 2018 film Slender Man. This has been a really not so fun summer. Yeah. Who's like that? But we've got to soldier through it. We're, you know, we're committed now, you know? No, we, we we gotta do it. We absolutely have to do it. And you know, and it's not our first battle scars. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 Skip the papa doo wow uh, and break. An ass put on a lion skin and went bouncing around the forest parable. Scaring the foolish beasts by brooks and by rocks. Till at last, he tried to scare Bob. But Bob, hearing from beneath the main, that raucous voice, so petulant, so vain. Oh, ass, Bob too run away. But that Bob knows you're old that's just the way with asses. That's just.
spider, and my name is Bitey. I'm a Leo, and I love dewy spiderwebs in the sunset. Long walks on the pavement, and hiding in shoes. And I'm looking for a special female, and girl, not everyone sees you the way I do. So let me look deep inside all eight of your beautiful eyes. And I don't see human like other people do. I see a glorious spider, baby. Yeah. So I want to let you know. I play spider with you all night long. Shimmy here, up next to me. And do that stanky spider dance you do. So shake that Sephora thorax and your abdomen too. Ah, girl. Come on, come on, be my spider, baby. Yeah. Be my spider, baby. Come on, come on, be my baby. Spider. Yeah. 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 One more time. We don't got it on make sugar. Spin your pride away from me. And I know how it is when a male spider tries to show you what he's made of. And I gotta let you know, I don't mind dying for just one night of sweet spider love. If that's what it takes to get near your girl, a hungry female may consume any invertebrate that comes along, including her suitors. But baby, but baby, I don't mind because you're truly worthy. You're worth it, baby. My pedipals are palpitating, circulating. I could be perspirating, but I can't because I got an ectoskeleton. But that don't matter now. So let me be your daddy, baby. Hopelessly tangled up in your silky web. Let me kiss your fangs before you jump off my head. Yeah. Species. Females eat the males after sweet, sweet love. But I don't mind. Nah. You see, I got eight boots on my legs for knocking. I notice you do too. Spider baby rocking all night long. You see, even spider love is blind. Come on. Ooh. Come on, come on, be my spider baby. Sixteen yeah. boots of spider knocking. Come on, come on. You know it's true, girl. Come on, girl. Come on, come on, be my spider, baby. Yeah. Don't be afraid. <laughs> come on, come on, be my baby. Yeah. Be my spider, baby. Yeah. Come on, come on, be my spider, baby. Yeah. Be your daddy, spider, lonely. Come on, come on, be my baby. Spider. <laughs>
You are about to witness a new dimension in entertainment. Peter Lemon Jello. Oh, I could have been a million things. Peter Lemon Jello. A mood rock experience called Love 76. Yes, Peter Lemoncello has created a new kind of music that's both romantic and moving. Just listen. In this two-album package, Love 76, you'll experience all the warmth and tenderness living in the heart of Peter Lemoncello, plus the excitement that is Peter Lemoncello on stage. Call 586-7700. That's 586-7700. Or save COD charges and send $698 for records or $898 for 8-track tape to Love 76, Box R7, Gracie Station, New York, New York, 128. These are some of my favorite worst posts from the last few weeks on the Oklahoma City Craigslist page. This one is called Prince Media Pandering. And it says, Prince, you would have thought he was the president, the way the media carries on about this non-talented transvestite. Exclamation point. So, transvestite! Every channel went on and on and still are, I say, good riddance. Typical left-wing, pandering media, always pushing their cause. Hell, when Elton John dies, they will probably declare a national holiday for it. They should, because Elton John is a treasure, number one. Uh, number two, <laughs> you need to check yourself. And third, it's not media pandering. Apparently, it's a pandering media. It's a media that's run by pandas. It's a pandering media. I like that. Live fast. Die young, leave a good-looking corpse. You just make sure you come back next week.
people don't just disappear. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Act three, money! Act three! Act three! Why did this have to happen? There might is no God! This might be one of the shortest acts. <laughs> yes, buddy, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually saunter our way into our third and final act of the show, and it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-natural, low-fat, non-GMO movie of the week! And this week, we summon Bad Movie Man with a look at the 2018 film Slender Man. To be clear, until we hear from him, uh, I think we might be misgendering Slenderman. I mean, yes. why do we know that he's a man? Because he wears a suit? Women can wear suits too. Hashtag girl boss. Hashtag if, girl power. If anything, he reminds me more of Tilda Swinton than anything else. Yeah. So, I'm thinking, you know, we should just call him Slender Person until, until we hear from from the person themselves is, is what I'm saying. Anyway! Well, uh, well, wouldn't we also have to find out, like, who 
Like, what is he? I mean, is he human? Because, yes, if he's human, then he is quite slender. Uh, if he is of another people, he may be quite the chub. <laughs> we got a certified chode on our hands. Yeah. So, every summer, we do uh, themed summers or in, in this podcast we have done a summer of star wars a summer of saw and uh, i still can't believe that fred Will- willard is dead but that was the best summer was our summer of fred willard so yeah. much just, last summer uh you just mentioned something that i got the idea to make star wars okay cool also remember when you made me sat down and watched yeah, I, I, I sat down and forced you to watch the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, to watching the next one. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Star Wars 2 Cruise Control. Because now that you made me watch one, it made me want to watch the others. Good. Okay. Not uh, so, this summer, we're taking a, a, a deep dive into IMDb's Bottom 100, which is an ever-changing list of the 100 worst-reviewed movies of all time. And now, we are here at Slenderman. Uh, I forgot to write down what number... Slenderman is on the bottom 100. I believe it's somewhere in the 30s. Let me see. I've got the list right here. Uh, shit, shit, where is this thing? Uh, the difficult part is that the IMDb bottom 100 keeps changing. So, oh wow, it's at 47. It didn't, it wasn't, it it was actually uh, lower previously. Yeah. But yeah, so there you go. This week we're doing a movie, Slenderman. Holy um, hell. Okay. Um, fun fact, Bunny, you got the wrong poster. Do I? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, this week's movie is from 2018, and it's just called Slenderman, and it stars actress Julia Goldani Tellis, who I actually love. Um, so there are two Slenderman movies? movies? Yeah, you took, you got the poster for the Slenderman, but oh. the Slenderman poster. I, I just wanted to point that out. I, I think that's funny. Okay, so... I'm not watching this one either. Yeah. That's how yeah. bad this movie was. That I'm blaming this movie too. The weird thing about Slenderman... Sight unseen. The weird thing about Slenderman as a character is that... So it, when it comes to other like mythical evil creatures out there like oh uh, I wonder where that got started I wonder where that got started we 100% know where Slenderman got started um yeah 
2009 on the internet forum something awful they had a photoshop contest where the 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 forum users were tasked to uh create your own unique paranormal image and a post and a, a forum person on there named eric knudsen uh posted two black and white images of children and and photoshopped a tall thin figure wearing a black suit and it, the 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 his backstory was that uh, this tall person whom the kids called the slender man would um, abduct children 100% fake yeah created online from a specific post that eventually went viral and suddenly everyone is is doing fan art and cosplay and uh, creepypasta uh, and it became so popular that they made video games and different films and one of the popular things about Slenderman is there's some media scholar out there who said that that the popularity Slenderman became so popular because there's very little backstory to the character of Slenderman, which means he's adaptable to whatever you want him to be in. Yeah, you know, like it, there is no mythology for this character so you can do whatever you want with it but it's weird because Slenderman isn't real Slenderman was created by one specific internet poster so I'm confused as to why two 12 year old girls stabbed one of their classmates 19 times in 2014 to appease Slenderman. When was this? Was that a real uh, thing? No, it's a real thing. It happened in Waukesha, Wa Waukesha, Wisconsin. Two 12-year-old girls held down and stabbed a 12-year-old classmate 19 times when questioned later by authorities. They reportedly claimed that they wished to commit a murder as the first step to becoming proxies for Slenderman. They also stated that they were afraid that Slenderman would kill their families if they didn't commit the murder. Uh... Yeah, one of the girls reportedly said that Slenderman watches her, can read minds, and could teleport. I'm just confused that, like, this isn't real. This was created by some random person online. Yeah. Really confused as to why there are people out there that think this is real. The you know? same reason that people think the Earth is flat. Or the Mandela effect is real, or any 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 other thing, you know. I mean, weren't there stories like this from Momo as well? Yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, people were super pissed, like in 2014, and when it happened, 2014 and 2015, people were really pissed off 
uh, you know, online rage about uh, a moral panic over Slenderman and, and the potential dangers that the Slenderman story poses to children. Please think about the children. And so a lot of people were like, when the Slenderman, when this week's movie Slenderman came out, a lot of people were like, uh, when this came out in 2018, it's like, yeah, wasn't someone stabbed like just a couple of years ago about this character? Maybe this movie shouldn't be coming out. Yeah. But thankfully, well, and, no and somebody and somebody killed somebody on Craigslist because of Dexter. Fucking Dexter! Oh, you know? my wife was so into Dexter. God, I will say about this week's movie. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan of this movie star uh, Julia Goldani Tellis she got her start uh, in the short lived uh, TV series Bunheads and I, I it, it was a really cute show that only lasted one season and, it, and oh, I just fell in love with that show and her in particular so I like knowing that she's still out there doing acting yeah. But I imagine that this movie doesn't look good on a resume. No. I, and I found something on Wikipedia, on Wikipedia. Um, I, there's a Wikipedia page for this movie. And, okay, <laughs> Goldani Tellis plays Hallie. Jazz Sinclair plays Chloe. Uh, Javier Botet plays Slenderman. But then it says on Wikipedia, Adam Driver as Slenderman voice. Adam Driver is not in any way related to this fucking movie. <laughs> I think this was someone putting a pr- sneaking a prank onto the Slenderman Wikipedia page yeah. and no one is bothered to take it down because who gives a shit about the movie Slenderman? Yes. I think that's hilarious. Adam Driver has nothing to do with this fucking film, but according to Wikipedia, he was the voice of Slenderman. Slenderman doesn't even have a voice. No. In this movie, for Adam Driver to fucking... Yeah, anyway. Usually, Bunny, I will watch the film two or three times throughout the week. This week, however, I waited until the last second. So I watched this week's film for the first time this morning while battling a severe hangover. And I just would like to take this time to say, don't watch this movie while hungover. Don't watch this movie at all. No. Especially not while hungover. Because being hungover makes the film worse. Anyway. And, and, and for, for fuck's sakes, light a goddamn scene. This is the darkest fucking movie. They go outside, I can't see a motherfucking thing. We only knew that it was a night shot outside because every fucking time a dog barked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, according, uh, there was an interview. There was an interview that uh, so they made the film, and it was like a two-hour-long movie. But then the the production company Screen Gems 
once the movie was done, that's when they said, okay, we're going to have to change this film and cut some stuff out because uh, we filmed it as an R movie. We want it to be PG-13. So several scenes got cut. And and also, uh, Screen Gems, the production company, was worried because of the stabbings and because of Slenderman and this and that. So they cut things out to go from an R to a PG-13 and also cut some things out because they were fearful that the public would get pissed off about the Slenderman movie. So so the film is an hour and a half and also apparently there were a lot of establishing scenes that would have made transitions from one scene to another more understandable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like in this movie, oh, they're hanging out in class, and then next thing you know, it's nighttime and they're in the forest. You know, yeah. like in the original film, there would have been a a scene, some scenes that would explain shit better, but nothing really happens. And in this what entire- the fuck was up with the? Okay, look, the whole shaky head, shaky horror thing. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't even good in the nineties. The nineties or, or and or early aughts, I think. It yeah. wasn't even good then when it was a fucking trend. This yeah. is not a thing to be to be going all retro with. Well. I think one of the reasons why this film ended up the way that it did is because the director is a French film director. Yeah. From France. So I can imagine him being interviewed and be like, we wanted the audience to feel the fear that these women felt. So we tried to make the film as dark as possible to... to to amp up the tension and the fear in the audience and you know all of that through through yeah okay dark but this is a library (laughs) this is a library okay I mean like like well we keep it dark because reading distracts from the smooth cool jazz music playing and our espresso bar. Yeah. That's the library in this town. Yeah. Uh, so so the director, he, he directed a short and then he directed a French movie and then he directed an American horror movie and then he did the film Stomp the Yard which was uh, uh, vaguely popular. And then he directed the movie The Losers, which I I have heard of, but I never saw. It starred Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and it was based on some Vertigo comic book. And so he's a director, and he's directing things, and he's directing things, and then in 2018 he did Slender Man, and that was the last movie he directed. But now he's doing TV. He's directed a whole bunch of TV shows, uh, The Mentalist, Hawaii Five-0, CSI, Empire, uh, MacGyver, Magnum P.I., Reboot. He directed an episode of The Umbrella Academy. Really? Yeah, that's worrisome. <laughs> um, that, like, legitimately scares me. 
You know what this movie reminded me of? The Turning. Yeah. In the sense that here's an hour and a half film, but also, like, hardly anything happens in this movie. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, no. No. Exactly. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of yelling about things. Uh, the girls seem to hallucinate in some spots, which is to expected when you are immersed in this in this Slenderman fantasy world that you're building up to yourself because you saw a video on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. Okay. It. Fucking Slenderman. Fuck, fuck this movie. The entire movie is just 14 summon a thing, then that thing slowly takes out the 14s. It's 10 minutes of plot in an hour and a half movie. Yeah. Movie barely exists. Which, which just. is. I, I, I don't know the right word for this. I, I, heavy-handed yeah it's it's just dripping in its own shit you know like like yeah. no music or limited music you know overacted scenes over important non-important things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, this... This movie just doesn't exist. This movie doesn't exist. Just like Slenderman doesn't exist. Yeah. I... This movie... It's like I watched the movie and then afterwards I'm like it felt like I didn't watch a movie. Well, yeah, yeah. My brain started rejecting it almost immediately so I started watching it again just pre-show. Yeah. Because even watching it the night before I... I mean, it's just become a tradition in the household. Saturday, Jeannie comes home from the shopping. Um, we put some stuff away. Uh, we go have a cigarette or two. And then we have dinner, which is something microwavable, usually White Castles. And we watch the week's movie. Yeah. Wow. Jeannie, I sincerely apologize for this summer. So, so from there, it immediately started erasing itself from my head, except yeah. it is really fucking dark, I'm glad they gave Stevie Wonder a chance behind the camera, and the shaky head thing is pissing me off, and could not remember anything else about the movie. It remind you keep saying Stevie Wonder was the cinematographer, but in my mind, it was the it was the cinematographer from And God Spoke, and they're watching the dailies, 
and it's all dark. And it's like, what the hell happened to our footage? I used a few of my special filters. Perhaps I used too many. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my head. This is one of those movies yeah, where... that works. Where this is one of those movies where it's like, shit, if you saw this in the drive-in, you wouldn't see a goddamn thing. Yes. At all. You'd be fucking pissed, but... But yeah, that's all I've got for this week's movie. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, it... It, it, it really fucking sucks. It's barely a film. It's barely a movie. This movie is barely a movie. Ridiculous. It, it, it barely exists. I can't think of anything that was like really redeeming about this movie. And like there's always something in a movie. It's like it's like no matter what it is, you gotta stop and be like, oh well, okay. That was a good shot. You know? Or something. The soldiers' costumes were very realistic. That's how yes. the soldiers' costumes were very realistic. And there, there is, there is nothing, nothing in this movie. Uh, the only I can't thing even that distinguish like... the girls between each other in my head. Like, okay, which one was that again? I like the star Julia Goldani Tellis. She was on the show Bunheads, and now she's doing some other shows where she shows her boobs a lot. But I, I really like Julia Goldani Tellis, the star of this. She's got this weird look to her that makes yeah. her stand out. And I was happy to see her in this, despite the fact that this movie sucks ass. Yes. Yeah. But but that is the positive for me. I'm just happy to see her again. Bunheads was a great show. But yeah, that's all I've got this week. I, I, I think we are going to need a reward after the summer. Yeah. A big yeah. reward for doing this to people, for people, <gasps> so that they can know how bad things can get. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, at least we didn't do this in 2020. Yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. That might have pushed society over, over the edge. Yeah. We would have been one step closer to the end. <laughs> so that's it for this week. Next week, we gotta do it. We're gonna do it. We gotta do it. We're watching Battlefield Earth. Okay. Uh, uh, one last word on Slenderman, uh, just to yeah. keep the comparison going. The room definitely had more action than Slender Man. Yeah, uh, that's weird. That is weird to think about. The room had better characterizations. Yeah, looking through looking through all the movies that we've done before, like more things happened in Bratz. Yeah. Than Slender Man. Yeah. Like, at least you could laugh at the Wicker Man reboot. Yes. How interesting is that? There, there aren't even good jokes here. Yeah. 
Like, like Jesus, that's weird to think about. Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie was fucking horrible. This what's movie, that? What's that behind movie? you? What's that strange what? shadow? It looks like a Slenderman. I watched that video Katie, online! Katie! <laughs> Katie, no. please, please! I'm gonna be taken! Oh, unless you sacrifice something, buddy. Yes. Yeah, so that's all I got this week. Next week we're doing uh, Battlefield Earth. Not sure what we're gonna do for chat, but I've got so many uh, stacked up. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the WWE, um, but not really the WWE. I've got a great bit. Okay, I, I, I've been seeing some odd WWE things floating along. Floating along. I've got I've got a really bizarre story that I'm I'm really excited to talk about next week. But that's next week. Now that I'm looking back at this week, uh, the highs and the lows. Uh, Slenderman, The Fighting Girlfriend, Jaws the Revenge, Paul Williams. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. Bad movie, good episode. The, uh, uh, this has been a good episode. Yeah, it's the, it was short. That's positive. That's a positive. That's, that's positive. I, I think I, I, I blame Slenderman. Yeah, so do I. Because I, so I, I unfortunately think that this week's episode has been as lackluster as the movie we, we covered. Yeah. It set the tone. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. But yeah. So uh, we were not up to uh, our you know, normal the beer, our Rob Boudia, huh? Yeah, yeah. We don't have the same uh, joie de vivre, right? That, that we normally have, but exactly a large portion of that, large portion of that is just because I'm hungover. But that's beside the point. Um, well, no, yes, I, 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 I blame this movie. I blame this movie that that it's 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 got a boringness that reaches into your soul and makes yeah. everything else more dull because of it. Yeah. Yes, I concur. I one hundred percent concur. With your assessment, good sir. <laughs> so until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Natasha and Maxwell and everybody else in this house, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Mm-hmm. Introduce Walter's movie to Thank Max you. And Storm and Slenderman. Do 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 do
cut and print. And print There you go. That's a wrap. Hi, everybody. It's me. Dabney.